Drink This Beer is brought to you by The Beer Guys. BeerGuysRadio.com is where you need to go to get the scoop on what's going on in craft beer. That's BeerGuysRadio.com. And if you like the show, consider becoming one of our sponsors. Head to Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. That's Patreon.com slash BeerGuys. Welcome to Drink This Beer, a show dedicated to craft beer and the people who make it. Each episode, we'll get the stories behind the brews you love. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Hey, welcome to Drink This Beer. It's the podcast that talks to the brewers of the beer you love to drink. I'm Aaron Williams. And I'm Tim Dennis. And on this show, we're talking to Jared Rubin. Jared is the founder and brewmaster of Moody Tongue Brewing out of Chicago. Jared, thanks for joining us today. Great to be on the show. Great to be on the show, gentlemen. So, Jared, we just we just cracked open one of your beers here. This says it is a caramelized chocolate churro Baltic porter. So, uh, can you tell us about this beer? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's probably uh, probably important that I talk to you about the name first. It's probably going to make a lot more sense to okay. break down the caramelized chocolate churro Baltic porter. So, Moody Tongue, the brewing company, just means someone with a discerning palate, someone who cares about what they consume, and. Uh, I, my background is in the culinary arts. I used to be a chef before a brewer. And so for me, everything has uh, the culinary foundation. Um, and that's kind of how we create our brewing style, culinary brewing. And it's just taking a chef's mindset to highlight the flavors and aromatics of the beer. So the beer you have in front of you, the way we name our beers, we always start with the culinary technique first. So caramelized, and then the flavor and aromatic you're going to experience, which is chocolate churro, which is just a Mexican donut. And uh, then the beer style, which is a Baltic porter. So you're going to find some vanilla, uh, chocolate, Mexican cinnamon on the nose. You'll also find it on the palate. And uh, it's going to be one of your lighter-bodied dark beers because we use a lager yeast. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, we're tasting it now, and it's, I do get a lot of that cinnamon uh, on the nose, and I get a little bit of that chocolate, too. So I think tasty. Jared answered half our questions for the interview. I was going to say we're there, done. So. Exactly. Thank you for tuning in to drink this beer. Join us next time. No. So, no. Exactly. So, no, no, I mean... Look, you guys, uh, you guys do so many different culinary cuisines so well down there. I, I'd, I'd pair this with some of that barbecue, some pulled pork mm-hmm. barbecue, nice uh, short ribs, uh, some um, bourbon bread pudding would be pretty fantastic oh, yeah. as well, or tiramisu. Now, it's interesting because uh, you've got a really, you say you have a culinary background, but you've got a legit culinary background. I mean, you've worked for Michelin star restaurants. You've worked for Thomas Keller restaurants. What got you uh, out of the, I guess, uh, the food world and into the craft brewing world? Well, i got to tell you, I don't think I ever left. For me, it was just uh, a way of incorporating all the things I loved, which is finding great ingredients, understanding how to handle them, and then knowing where and when to incorporate it. Except instead of, having, uh, a, instead of creating a solid, it's now a liquid. So... Truly, I'm still doing the same thing that I was doing in kitchens. I'm manipulating a raw ingredient with time and temperature. I, I Now I get to intoxicate people. What chef wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> Heck, yeah. So does your, does your brewing now influence your cooking as well? 100%. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, a big aha moment was when I was uh, out in, in Napa at the Marti- cooking at the Martini House. And uh, one of my responsibilities was to go to the farmer's market each week to get ingredients uh, for the restaurant. And I started purchasing additional ingredients for uh, my beers. And, you know, at that time, you had limited resources when it, can't, when, it, when it came to 
hops and, and malts, but primarily hops. So really what I had access to was Cascade. So mm-hmm. I was making pale ales. You're getting ruby red grapefruit on the nose and on the palate. But what I started to do was take some of that incredible produce from Northern California and incorporate that within the beers. And then I got layers of flavor that otherwise didn't exist within within the beers that I was making. And so I got a little bit more respect from some of the cooks I was working with. And they're like, oh, man, I drink more than one of these, which I got to tell you, that's a huge compliment. And, uh, and all I was doing was just approaching brewing the same way I was approaching cooking. It, it was actually, I mean, in, for me, I was like, wow, I don't have to give up one to enjoy the other. I can just take the foundation of understanding ingredients and, and how to manipulate them and just apply it to a completely different form of cooking. If anything, brewing is a lot more like baking. You have to be incredibly precise, patient, and you can't really fix anything. With cooking, you can throw butter, you can throw cream, you can <laughs> put salt to save your you know, to save your sure. Just put more brewing, hops in it, Jared, right? No way. No way. Once it's in there, you're committed. And and I like that. I I absolutely like that. And it was just a different form of cooking, brewing. See, that's why I'm terrible at brewing, because I'm terrible at baking. And I just, because I'm like, I'm just going to throw it in there. Let's just see if it works. And I'm terrible at it. So talking about the the pairings, so pairings are not my strong suit, personally. Mm -hmm. There's some that, like, I get a nice... You know, uh, a little funky saison, dry saison. I'm like, okay, fruit, cheese, a charcuterie. I can see that. Some of the other ones I have to mentally search a little bit more. But as he was naming off, you know, the the barbecue, the uh, bourbon bread pudding, that oh, I can taste all of oh, those yeah. with this beer and they, the, the way they would pair with that. And I know that it would be it'd be a heck of a meal, wouldn't it? It'd be yeah. I mean, it'd be fantastic. And my you know the best advice I can share. When, when pairing beer with food is don't make it so difficult. What what you would love to consume with that beer usually works. And if you want to make it even easier, look in your look in look in your city. I mean, what you do well there is certainly going to translate with a specific beer. You just have to find which one. You know, it's uh, I think a lot of times we overcomplicate beer and food pairing, but you're bringing beer and food together. So at the end of the day, people are going to be happy regardless of what you're sharing. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So now it's interesting, though, but we talk about beer and food pairings now. You know, I I worked in restaurants back in the 90s, and you're often judged on your wine list. You know, you had to have a really great wine list. But nowadays, it almost seems like they're being judged by their beer list. And uh, so we've seen that shift going on. And I have to tell you, it's about time. Like, when I I first started getting into uh, beer, you had limited real estate on menus. In mm-hmm. fact, if you wanted to find a beer, you either had to ask a server or a manager, or you had to go to the back of the book. Beer wasn't front and center, and if you had questions, you were really in trouble because most people weren't comfortable with Belgian styles or being imported or even your German styles. So you were kind of stuck with light lagers and maybe one or two dark options, and you were never really encouraged to explore that route with your food. So right now I think is an incredibly exciting time to be in beer and beer and food because the chefs that are creating your dishes at the end of the day, they're not opening up bottles of Cabernet, Merlot, Sauvignon Blanc. They're opening up Pilsners. They're opening up IPAs. They're opening up their stouts, and they're excited to drink those beers. And if those are the people that are creating your dishes, then those are the people who are probably going to be thinking about putting those two things together because that's what they're enjoying on their days off, and that's what they're enjoying at the end of their shift. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we've got that, and we've also started to see more brew pubs get a lot more culinary recognition. You know, we just got a Michelin star for, I believe, a brew pub in your neck of the woods uh, recently. That's, 
in Chicago. Absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, Chicago is a fantastic culinary city and brewing city. And what I really enjoyed um, when I moved here was that all the chefs wanted, were excited about beer, wanted to learn about beer, wanted to taste beer, and wanted to learn how to create it. And so, yeah, we're fortunate. And I and I think now with being in the golden age of beer. We have so many open minds to experiencing uh, elevated beer and food together. And I don't think anyone's complaining about now going into a brew pub and having options, having choices. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty fantastic. So, Jared, question for you here. So we're drinking a caramelized chocolate churro Baltic pour, like we talked about. This beer is at 7%, and all the flavors are present there, but nothing is heavy. Nothing is cloying. And there's a lot of breweries that do, and, and I'll tell you this, Southern Tier does a creme brulee beer, which I think I'm is absolutely delicious. Yeah. But about a shot glass of that, and I can't do anymore. Yeah, I'm good for it, like four it's, ounces It's heavy, it. and it's yeah. super sweet. So we're Let seeing... You know, you my, oh, I'm sorry. No, go right ahead. Yeah. No, I'm excited, gentlemen, and, and <laughs> this is why I'm excited. Like, our, our whole philosophy here at Moody Tongue is to create a beer, to create beers you can have more than one of. I like to drink a lot of beer, and I like to eat a lot of food. And the last thing I want to do is slow down because something irritated my palate. And that could be something that's too spicy, something that's too hoppy, something that's too malty. I think when, you're tr- when, you're, when you really achieve balance, you can consume more than one, and it doesn't slow down whatever you're going to enjoy next, whether that's another beer, a glass of wine, a bourbon, or a steak. You know, it's, it should all meld well together. And, I, and for that specific beer you're, that you're experiencing right now, I think a big factor is using that lager yeast. I love dark beer. You know, we have quite a bit of winter here in Chicago. And uh, I don't like to feel heavy or bloated, you know. So this was kind of the dark beer compromise by using that lager yeast. Yeah, so I was curious about that, uh, that lager yeast. I heard you say that earlier. And, it's, and so that adds lightness to it that makes it uh, easier to drink in perhaps quantity or it's not overbearing uh, you know, is that what happens or well it's it's it really yes everything you're saying is correct it really uh it creates a light body when usually you might find a medium to full body and when i'm talking about body light body medium body full body the best way to kind of think about that is is milk skin milk is light body two percent milk is medium body whole milk is full body it's how it rests on your tongue Jared, thanks for chatting with us here. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back in just a moment. Again, we are talking to Moody Tongue Brewing's Jared Rubin. He is the founder and brewmaster, and we'll be back right after this. More Drink This Beer with Tim and Aaron coming up after this. Here at Drink This Beer, we love to bring you the stories behind the craft beer and brewers that you love. And we'd be grateful if you took the time out to check out our Patreon site. It's at patreon.com slash beerguys. If you choose to become one of our donors, we would really appreciate it. Plus, you get some awesome swag, including T-shirts, glasses, stickers, and some more stuff that's coming down the pike. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer, part of the Beer Guys Radio Network. Tell a friend and head to patreon.com slash beerguys. Cheers. Welcome back to Drink This Beer with your hosts, Tim and Aaron. And welcome back to Drink This Beer. We're talking with Jared Rubin. He's the founder and brewmaster of Chicago's Moody Tongue Brewing. Uh, thanks again for joining us on the show today. Appreciate it. Uh, pleasure to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Jared, I had a quick question, and we don't want to talk about lager yeast all night, but do you ferment this beer at lager temps, or do you just use a uh, lager yeast at L temps? 
Uh, great question. No, we do ferment these at lager temperatures. Okay. All right. Good deal. So, yeah, very interesting. Interesting. So that I don't think uh, – because you don't uh, – is a Baltic Porter that is that a lager? No, it's, no, it's, it's, it's usually it's an ale. ale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it there one that is? Uh, that's unimportant. So, but uh, <laughs> interesting that you do that. That you do the Baltic Porter with a lager yeast at lager temps. Yes, I do. So yeah. it comes out. So and along those lines, uh, Jared, talk about the lighter flavors and that. We've noticed when we're uh, hanging out with brewers and stuff and that they do go for a pilsner, you know, a Kolsch, lighter beers yeah, like I that. Could- yeah, I can I can certainly speak to that. I know that I, I enjoy Pilsners because I believe that they are the most difficult style of beer to brew. Mm-hmm. And that's because you can't hide a flaw with malt or hops or barrel or or anything else for that matter. So either it's right or it's very wrong. And uh, I think there's some real skill and beauty behind that. Yeah, it's almost like the style gets a bad rap because, of course, we're used to Pilsners being the AB InBev, Miller Coors type of beers. But like you said, I mean, it is a very difficult style to brew. Yeah, I think I know a lot of brewers will go into establishments, start off with a Pilsner. If that's all great, then they're not moving for the next hour, hour plus. And I know I'm guilty of that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good light drinking beer that, uh, that that's good. Uh, it's good to go have like four or five or eight of them. Exactly. But I'm not judging. Exactly. It's okay. So do you think on the consumer side uh, that we're seeing a trend towards that, towards people uh, have we gone out of our teen years of seeking out something crazy and weird and that to where the consumer is becoming more refined and nuanced in what they're seeking out? You know, I, I don't know about I, – I think people have more knowledge about beer now than they've ever had before. And I'm not just talking about experts. I'm talking about people that are inter- like just getting into beer. Uh, I, I think there's more information available. I think more people are talking about it. I think what's most exciting is – more people are home brewing. I mean, when you can go to a Whole Foods and find a, a, a homebrew kit, and you don't have to go to, you know, a homebrew shop, then all of a sudden you're widening your circle of people that are experiencing the creation of, of, of brewing. So that's it's one thing to to take a class. It's another to you know homebrew with a friend. But when you're doing it on your own, I, I think that's really exciting. So to answer your question, I think. People are always going to be curious. I think that that comes with craft beer. So exploration will will continue, uh, especially with your more esoteric beers. But at the end of the day, I I think people want to enjoy what they know. And uh, that's just because we're creatures of habit. And more often than not, Pilsners are a safe place for us. I think the majority of us started out drinking a Pilsner, whether it's a Bud or or a local Pilsner, uh, th- that was the beginning for most people. Um, so to kind of circle back to a, a safe beer place is, is kind of a, a, na- a, a natural next step. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you, you don't it's, – it's a beer style that doesn't, again, overpower the food that you're going to have. You're not going to have like a big old bourbon barrel-aged stout and have a burger, for example. You want to have a Pilsner. You want to have something lighter than that so you're not uh, – you know, your, your tongue is not confused or your palate's not confused. It's true. And, you know, whether you're at a ball game, whether you just finished mowing the lawn, whether you just had a rough day, throwing a Pilsner back is never a bad decision. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about more about your beers. Um, the one that I'm really int- intrigued about is your truffle beer. Uh, you've got yeah. truffles on Pilsner. I just want to know how many truffles you had to shave to get that done. An obnoxious <laughs> I mean, uh, truly an, an insulting amount. I mean, truffles 
truffles we use uh, range anywhere from 1100 to $1,400 a pound. Wow. And we use far more than a pound. Wow. Far more than a pound. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a true honor to be able to work with that ingredient um, and uh, to be able to put it in Pilsner, one of the most difficult styles to create, but I think a perfect style to showcase the flavor and aromatic of truffle without overwhelming it, which is my, which is my concern. Yeah, you really want to kind of have that subtle flavor to it. You almost want to have that kind of uh, light balance of a pilsner, with uh, with, but you want those truffles to shine through without uh, going too crazy with it. Uh, 100%. Yeah, and, you know, we're taking on an ingredient. We certainly took a risk by using an ingredient that most people are not familiar with. When we speak to truffles, we're not talking about truffle oil. Truffle oil is created in a lab. Mm-hmm. You know, it costs anything from 11 to $20 uh, a bottle. This was something that was... Far more, far more rare. But in doing so, we had a responsibility. You can't go around saying, hey, we're making a truffle deal without educating. So we try to provide as much education either through our website or through articles to kind of explain why we did this beer, what you're going to experience, so that you're able to enjoy it. Because it's certainly a, a pilsner at a different price point. And I think without any sort of education behind it, one could be quite frustrated. So uh, what was the response to that when That one hit Georgia and was... Was gone, gone yeah. before I could get out there, so I didn't get the pleasure I, of trying that one. I ended up buying two bottles myself. I was really excited. there. You go, all right, man. <laughs> yeah, rarely, yeah. Rarely do I get my hands on this beer, <laughs> just because it's it's rare and it's allocated. So when I saw it uh, at Hop City, I was like, "Yeah, I'm definitely taking two, and I'll just leave sad. one for the lucky person that comes behind it." Um, this is the beer that chefs absolutely. I mean, chefs that we're working with truffles absolutely loved or chefs that just experienced truffle. What we found is that a lot of times when establishments took it on, the chefs and the managers were the ones taking it home, which for me is a a huge compliment. Um, And I'll tell you, Georgia was the only state where we've ever had it retail. Interesting. The only one. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, I was like, wow, okay. I've never seen this uh, in a cooler and not on a menu. So I'm definitely going to get a couple and enjoy so you mentioned that it's that it's typically rare. Is this one you do? This wasn't a one-off. This is one you do occasionally. We do it. We do it for truffle season. So, okay. I mean, it's right. not like I can get truffles whenever I want. Uh, when when the season's around, we create the beer. I am not knowledgeable in truffles, so I wasn't even most aware. People are. That's my point. Like, that's See, my, yeah, we're, tr- we're truly embarking on a subject that most people. Haven't come across, rightfully so. I mean, none of us were, well, I don't want to speak for everyone here, but the majority of us weren't raised on truffle. Right. You know, that's, who, who you know, if we want to talk about Cheerios or apples, yeah, we'd be experts. We could talk <laughs> yeah. all day long. But, my, uh, you know, truffles is something totally different. My experience with truffles is the oil variety on uh, fries with some Parmesan cheese, which is great. It's delicious. So, yeah. It's delicious. It's absolutely delicious. But, you know, if you're going to use that ingredient, you might as well charge a lot less money, I think. Yeah. You and know, I want and, some uh, shaved truffles on fries and a bottle of that beer. I just want to – I go. think I may go order me a pound of truffles. You go ahead and do that. Good luck. Yeah. Now, you've, uh, let's talk about your tasting room a little bit. Uh, it's very interesting to see. You've only got two choices in your tasting room uh, in Chicago. Uh, what, what were the choices that you have, and, and kind of why make those choices? So – it, uh, the Moody Tongue Tasting Room, uh, you'll have raw oysters or you'll have a 12-layer German chocolate cake. 
That's it. I wanted something salty and something sweet. And I wanted to, uh, for the salty item, I really loved the oysters because you can consume quite a bit without feeling full. And so I could drink a lot of beer and eat a lot of oysters and feel great. Uh, with a 12-layer German chocolate cake, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum here, um, each layer is actually paired for a specific beer that we have on draft. And uh, my best friend from culinary school, who helped start the CIA Culinary Institute of America Brew Club with me, um, she's the one who created this. Her name is uh, Shannon Morrison, and she was easily the most talented in our class, and she has a strong appreciation for beer and sweets. And I think that beer and dessert is by far the best beer and food pairing. But I think we never get to experience it because when we're at beer dinners, by the time dessert happens, we're either too intoxicated or too full to care about the dish. So I was getting, uh, I wanted to give an opportunity that if you wanted to start with cake and have your beer, go for it. I like if you that. don't feel like that, <laughs> then you can go a more uh, conventional route and have some oysters in beer. Now I want to host a reverse beer dinner. Yeah. You start with dessert, of course, and work your way back to an appetizer. And I'll tell you what you finish with, if, uh, if you'll allow me to. Yeah, start absolutely. With finish with hot, salty French fries, because no one ever complains when hot French fries are put on a the table. There you go. Oh, See? Yeah. See, we've got it. Start with a German chocolate cake. Back your way into some hot fries. After like about seven yes. or eight beers, yeah, I'm all over that. That's it. That's, uh, it's going to be a 14 course. A lot of drinking <laughs> in this dinner. That's, that's my yeah, kind of beer so, dinner. Yeah. I like some it, of those absolutely. courses are only liquid. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jared, uh, you know, we've talked about uh, your tasting room, your beers, and this and that. So, uh, distribution wise, we know you come here to Georgia because we're enjoying yeah. some beer we got here. We've uh, talked about that. But where else can people find Moody Tongue beers? Yeah. Um, you can find Nudie Tongue in New York, San Francisco, Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, Texas, Toronto. We're over in China, Shanghai, and Beijing. Okay. If anywhere where food is really important is where I want to be. So, so why pick Atlanta then? Is, is Atlanta got a good reputation as a food town across the country? I wouldn't say good. I would say great. I nice. Mean, absolutely okay. incredible Southern cuisine. And I, I was actually born in Atlanta. I spent the first 10 years of my life there. So it's kind of a, a, a homecoming for me. But the, the food is unbelievable. The chefs, uh, the, the pairing with, with Southern cuisine is it's fantastic. It's indulgent. It's rich. Like how, what, what else are you drinking if you don't have a beer in your hand when you're putting this food down? No, I, yeah. always, I always tell a lot of my friends who are from up north, they're kind of snobbish about being from New York or Boston. I'm like, Atlanta is a fantastic food town. You, you guys just don't oh. even know. You know something I've heard from a lot of, of culinary magazines and different things is Atlanta frequently gets looked over because they don't really have a cuisine that says Atlanta. True. We just yeah. have, we're a melting pot here. You know, there's so much we've got. You go on, on our Buford Highway area and you can get some of the absolute best uh, Asian the food. food. Right, oh, yeah, right. Absolutely, so, yeah. you know, but so good. Yeah. if you want that Southern fare, if you want barbecue, if you want shrimp and grits or whatever, there's some place around Atlanta that does it extremely well. So, you know what I would love to have a pairing with? And go ahead, laugh away, gentlemen. But I do a Waffle House and beer pairing, and I'd be the happiest. Oh, I'm, I'm down with that in a second. <laughs> That's it, I man. want some of that Churro Baltic Porter with a little Waffle House. and oh, Scattered, right smothered, there. covered, chunked. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> chili. Yeah, absolutely. The moody, you know what? You come to Atlanta. We'll set it up, man. We'll do a moody tongue <laughs> I, and, and waffle. 
and Wahoo Beard Dinner. All right, <laughs> now we're down. There. We'll make it happen. I'm definitely down Absolutely. for that. So, so now I'm excited. Actually, you also uh, distribute in Las Vegas as well. And I no, saw we do. Th- I apologize. Yeah, my well. wife is from Las Vegas, and Bouchon is actually her favorite restaurant. So I'm excited to see oh, that you distribute so in Bouchon. Good. So yeah, just so good. That place is delicious. It's fantastic. So my wife makes me go there. But I, I don't mind. It makes you go. <laughs> it yeah, drags you go. kicking and screaming, right? I'm like, I need Absolutely. to play more craps, but no, I have to go eat more. Yes, exactly. yes. So what's, uh, what's next for Moody Tongue, Jared? What's coming down the pipe for you? Well, I'll tell you, um, we've got some barrel-aged beers. I'm actually in our barrel, uh, our barrel room right now, and I'm looking at barrels of Angel's Envy, Woodford Reserve, Four Roses, and Wild Turkey. And we've got some pretty special barley wine. We've got an Imperial Stout. And uh, we're going to start releasing this once it gets a little bit chillier. So I'm pretty pumped about that. You know, uh, nothing gets you more excited than a bunch of beer and a bunch of barrels. Excellent. Well, cool. Jared Rubin from Moody Tongue Brewing, thank you so much for joining us on Drink This Beer today. We appreciate it. It was my pleasure. Thank you. You guys have a great evening. Thanks so much, man. Take care. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer. Make sure to check us out on Facebook at Drink This Beer. But if you want more beer stuff, Tim, you can get it. Beer Guys Radio. That's where we are on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Have a great one, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Drink This Beer. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. More beer stories? Head to BeerGuysRadio.com. Follow the Beer Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want more craft beer news? Listen to the Beer Guys Radio Show, available every Saturday morning. Drink This Beer, produced and developed by Tim Dennis and Aaron Williams, part of the Beer Guys Media Radio Network, beerguysradio.com.